Hey everyone, and welcome to Social Sport. I'm Emma Zimmerman, and on this podcast, I feature conversations with endurance athletes of all types committed to fostering social change. The athletes that I speak with on this show are climate change activists, mental health advocates, promoters of more inclusive outdoor spaces, and much more. Through Social Sport, I share the stories and thoughts of people who explore the connection between sport and activism in their lives. So let's dive right into it. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jordan Larson. Jordan is a mental health advocate, trail guide, environmentalist, and business owner based in Boulder, Colorado. Through his company, Karen Outdoor Guides, Jordan has created a platform to address both public health and the climate crisis. Karen Outdoor Guides emphasizes the mental health benefits of outdoor activity while increasing the environmental knowledge of its clients. Hi, Jordan. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Emma. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Could you let me know where I'm finding you in the world right now? Yeah, so I'm in a kind of a small town outside of Boulder, Colorado at the moment. Um, Still got plenty of visuals of like mountains and the foothills and stuff like that. It's a little town called Lafayette, Colorado. So Okay, that's amazing. I feel like I say this to every guest that comes on and every place mentioned on this podcast, but I'm serious when I say that Boulder is one of my favorite places in this country. (laughs) It's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I, I lived there for four or five years, and then um, for a few different reasons, kind of had to move outside of it a little bit. But uh, Boulder is a definitely amazing place. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't grow up there, did you? No, I grew up in Midwest Illinois. Okay, all right. So I don't know if you know, I'm actually in Illinois right now as well, more in the Chicago area. I grew up in more like kind of like the Midwest Southern part. So a little gotcha. ways away from the city, actually quite yeah. a ways away from the city. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool though. Very cool. So I know that you had a really unique route that led you to Boulder and to Karen Outdoor Guides, which we'll go into a lot in this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I first want to talk about kind of what led you to where you are right now. And I know that you were doing research for a while at, was that at UW-Madison? Yeah. Could you tell me more about that job and why you ultimately left? Yeah. So when I got uh, the job at Madison, it was super exciting um, because really gotten some like, because I had done neuroimaging research for about uh, three and a half, four years prior to that. And it was a really exciting opportunity to, you know, um, try to fight Alzheimer's and everything. But essentially what I did is I researched the prevention of Alzheimer's disease, which eventually came into like what I do today. Um, But research the prevention of Alzheimer's through things like lifestyle factors. So it's like things like diet, physical activity, and cognitive stimulation is what I really focused on. Did that for about a year and just kind of found out that that wasn't really kind of like the lifestyle that I wanted to live actually. Um, Research is a very um, intense field that, I mean, you constantly got to be at the top of your game. Like it was just kind of something at that age, I kind of constantly found myself wanting to be outside. <laughs> so after doing that for about a year, I decided like, I'm going to kind of go see what else is out there. 
Um, I had saved up enough money to kind of move, relatively speaking, like wherever I, I wanted to. Colorado had always been on the radar, and so I saw it as a good opportunity. Like, I'm young, got some experience, like should be able to find a job, just kind of go for it. Um, so I kind of uh, wrapped some things up at home um, in Illinois and just kind of packed up my, my Forester and just kind of like headed for Colorado. Um, that led to me living out of my car for a little while, just kind of like sifting around Colorado, looking for like a place to live, a job, while also getting to play outside and camp out and do all the fun stuff that Colorado is really well known for. During that whole process, I finally got a um, housing situation and a job. Um, it was kind of like this like part-time thing working for this company that does like GIS kind of stuff, which sounded exciting at the time, but it was pretty boring to be honest. <laughs> but did that for a little bit and eventually my contract there expired, which then led me to getting a job at the Behavioral Health Hospital, which I still work at today. And so that's kind of what got me to Colorado, I guess. First, when I heard about that you did this Alzheimer's research, I didn't really see a direct connection to what you're doing right now with Karen Guides. But now when you talk about that you are really focused on the lifestyle part yeah. of Alzheimer's, I see a pretty strong connection because you're very focused on lifestyle and how lifestyle connects to health now in my understanding. And I would love to know a little bit more about your work with the Behavioral Health Center, first of all. So you went from doing research to living out of your car, which is actually a pretty big trend on this podcast, believe it or not, to eventually <laughs> working at this health center. So did yeah. you carry any of the lessons you learned from research over to your work at the Behavioral Health Hospital? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and the other thing that that, I mean, like that experience had a really big impact just on kind of like my perspective about like illnesses altogether or just situations altogether, like in taking much more of a preventative approach because the thing about like Alzheimer's is it, it's been described in some research articles as like a tsunami um, because it's going to literally wreck uh, the healthcare system because it just can't support. It. There's not really a viable treatment. Like it's very hit or miss. Um, it's a very you know, elusive kind of disease. And so these guys at Madison really focused on prevention and that had a really big impact on my perspective on all kinds of different things. And so when I started working at the hospital, I had never worked in, I'd worked at a group home in Memphis for a little bit, uh, but that was very early on in my career, just trying to kind of learn what I can. But when I got to the behavioral health hospital, it seemed a very like reactive and treat kind of thing, which is not uncommon. Um, when I was trying to think of is like, how can we kind of prevent this kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. And I was what's called like a mental health counselor, which is truly like a behavioral health tech. There's all kinds of names out there for them, uh, mental health worker, but did that for uh, close to a year and then an opportunity came to kind of move in kind of a management role, which I saw as a really good opportunity to kind of maybe have like more influence on the way the hospital flows. Because some of the stuff, I mean, we've obviously advanced from back in the 60s when we were just kind of like, you know, it, it was pretty crude back then, but we've definitely made some advancements since then. But there were still just some different like workplace culture kind of things that really didn't sit right quite with me because it was much more this like reactive thing and kind of um, suppress this as soon as possible before it, you know, spreads like wildfire, which I can understand, but there wasn't much that was being done before that. 
So like when people start to show these signs of like agitation rather than waiting for it to just like blow up um, and then we react in a really um, aggressive way, trying to kind of approach the situation early on to prevent that one, that escalating behavior that can result in all kinds of things like um, restraint, medications, which can be really traumatic for the patient. Um, you know, if you think of any time that someone has, you know, surprised you and maybe put hands on you or anything like that, like that can be really startling. And we, we don't want to cause trauma for the patients or, um, or the staff, because I mean, these can result in some pretty, I guess, violent kind of um, interactions with people, which staff and patients both do not want. Um, so those preventative, that preventative approach really um, allowed me to kind of look at this in a, like a different light than I think a lot of people that were working at the hospital then were, were like aware of. So when you say waiting for it to blow up, are you talking about mental illness in general or is there a specific mental illness you focused on? So, so the hospital that I worked at, it, it, it works with all populations except your um, developmental developmentally disabled folks. But what, what I mean by blowing up is when people become an imminent risk to themselves or other people, um, we have a responsibility to make sure that they don't harm themselves or other people, mm -hmm. you know? So we, there, there are various interventions that we, or tools that we can use to mitigate that. Um, but what was happening at the time was basically whenever somebody was like disrespectful, um, showing um, signs of like aggression towards like staff or other people. It was this very quick like, okay, like let's call a doctor, order them some meds, and hopefully they'll chill out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Which for some for some illnesses that that is appropriate. You know what I mean? Like they may not be really processing or aware of what they're doing, but still it doesn't really help anybody learn from it like you know like when you're out in the world it's not like there's a team of people that can hey man you seem like you're pretty upset um you probably need some medications right now you know what i mean like that that's not really applicable to outside these walls and so we're not teaching them anything they're not growing we're putting ourselves at risk so it's a whole hodgepodge of just not so great practices Mm. Yeah, I like that you brought that up because I think that as a society, we often can be extremely reactive, especially when it comes to mental health. Like we want the magic bullet answer that will take care of this immediately when often it's kind of skill building and Yeah, it, it's an changes. ongoing thing. It's, it's not something that's kind of like, okay, like you're better now. Like this is never going to come up again. Your mental health is primo for the rest of your life. Like that's not, that's not how it works. Yeah, and I think that's a very big misconception. I think people, a lot of people believe that is how it works. Yeah, yeah. And sort of on that vein, vein, I think that mental health and mental illness, they're topics that are becoming less taboo, I think. But I sometimes wonder if it's only becoming less taboo in a very superficial sense. Like we see all these Instagram posts about take care of your mental health, go on a walk, whatever it might be. But we yeah. don't really talk about the experiences of folks in behavioral health hospitals, the experience of folks really going through this or working in behavioral health hospitals. Yeah. What do you wish people knew about mental health work? Oh, man. Um, I think one of the, the things that first jumps out at me is like, this can literally be anybody. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. not because you make so much money or you live in some place that you are immune to this. Like, this can be you or I tomorrow. 
And I, I think that is one thing that I see when I, oh, I talk to some people about like mental health or working at the hospital is that there is kind of this like almost like a wall that's like that wouldn't happen to me or that's like this very far off unique sect of people that actually go through this kind of thing when it's everybody. We all have mental health to some degree and so it's not like something where if you know you make so much money or you have a certain job or a support system like it it impacts everybody and i think that the more kind of compassion and empathy that people can give for people that do have mental illnesses like i think that's a step that i would like to see just because i i agree with you that there has become kind of this like superficial like you know, I mean, there is more information out there and more people are talking about it, which is really good. But it, there's still, I think, a long ways to go because I think some of those like you mentioned, like social media posts and different stuff like that, like those are putting like a Band-Aid on like a gunshot wound. You know what I mean? Like mm. mental health throughout the United States is in crisis just as much as the environment is. And so I think a step forward would be like having that compassion for people. When you see somebody who's maybe like talking to themselves in the streets or at least like, you know, when you see somebody with their head down or behaving differently at work, like actually reaching out and being real with them um, rather than like, Hey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And just kind of going on your day, you know, like really trying to make an effort to kind of support people or at least be there for people, I think would be just a few things that I would mention. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you brought up the fact that it can happen to anyone. Because I, I mean, one thing that I think a lot about is the fact that I, I think it's fundamentally hard to understand mental illnesses mm-hmm. unless you experience them. Yeah. And I mean, I know I've written quite a bit about my experiences with anxiety and an eating disorder in my teens and early 20s. And it's led me to think a lot about the fact that when I was younger, I, I considered mental illness as very untouchable, something very far from me. And it's made me wonder, is it fundamentally impossible to understand mental illnesses unless you experience them or unless it has specifically touched your life? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's very easy to distance yourself from it when it hasn't happened to you. However, I think about 20% of the United States, you know, 20% of the United States population has a mental illness. And so there's a good chance you've come across somebody who has it in some varying degree. But uh, I I think people thinking of it as this kind of... uh, not imaginary, but this like intangible thing is 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 one barrier that I, I see when people think about mental illnesses and looking at through a lens that is much more like a kind of like a medical model or something like that. Because ultimately it is a breakdown in your mind in some degree. Sorry for my dog barking. No worries. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> but I mean, maybe looking at it or explaining it to people from more of like a biological sense, because people grasp when you've broken your arm, when you have cancer, Mm. um, things like that. And so I I think maybe they're starting to get to a point to where they can explain these things to people in the sense that like, you know, there is something going on in your brain that has caused a significant, you know, breakdown. And that's resulted in various symptoms and stuff like that but I think talking to people from like a medical standpoint rather than like differentiating it 
I think is one way that you can kind of get more people to understand what's going on. Cause, cause I, I agree with you on the other side of it though, is like, unless you've experienced it, it is hard to like tell someone like, I know what you're going through. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you really don't, you really yeah. don't know what I've gone through. And so I think um, it, it's kind of a juggling act to, to kind yes. of like summarize that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And you seem really passionate about mental health, which oh, yeah. I mean, we'll go into the work that you're doing now, but I'm curious, did that grow from working at the behavioral health hospital or was that an interest of yours long? You know, that? it's kind of funny. I mean, I've never really dialed in on kind of like what spurred my interest in mental health. Like on one hand, I could say it's like my experiences early on as a kid, but I think what really engaged me with kind of like the like psychology and understanding the brain and stuff is actually music because <laughs> I really wanted to really pursue and see how music impacted people and how it could I don't know, basically influence like their brain waves and how that can make people like not cure people from depression, but like maybe boost people's mood. And I, I, that's what initially really got me into it. But once I dove deeper and like working with people with like Alzheimer's disease and just seeing these like huge impacts, these people are suffering like really hard. Like I wish there was something I can do to help that. Um, I think is what really took it that next step of rather than I want to understand it. It's more, I want to do something. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize for the phone bringing right. in my, my background right now. My dog barked. But... Your, your phone was <laughs> totally fine. We're, we're even. Lots of different distractions. <laughs> exactly. I mean, all this talk about mental health and your experiences, I think is a great segue to talking about Karen Guides and yeah. why you transitioned from the Behavioral Health Hospital to starting Karen Guides. First of all, could you give a little elevator pitch about Karen Guides and why you started it. Yeah, the why I started it is kind of a long story, truthfully. So I'll, if you want to hear that story, I'm more than happy to share. But I think ultimately, like while working at the hospital, I still didn't quite feel like I was helping people the way that like I wanted to or like how I understood how to maybe best help people. Um, and so I really obviously love the outdoors, hike a lot, do a lot of fun things with my dog. So it seemed like a good way to um, get into that. But also after like doing some research, I kind of understood that the same populations that have the highest prevalence rates of any mental illness are the same exact populations that are underrepresented in the outdoor industry. So I mm -hmm. saw an opportunity to kind of marriage those two. But so like what we do at Karen Guides is really try to provide affordable, customized outdoor experiences for people. Because um, truthfully, you know, everybody has a different idea of what nature is and what an outdoor activity looks like. For some people, it's getting to the tallest mountain and seeing the most beautiful peaks. Other people, it's like a stroll through the forest and they just want to like relax. I mean, there's all kinds of different routes you can go. Those are just two. But being able to rather than a person find what fits them because there's different apps like all trails the outbound hiking projects i mean all kinds of different stuff out there um but it's the person who say you've never done something like this before it's their responsibility to somehow figure out how to navigate these things so what i wanted to create is a you know a big network of people that can actually flip that script to where it's like tell me what you want to experience out of this you know like what are you looking for and 
responses to that kind of question can vary from, I just want a really good challenge. Other people are like, you know, I have been just getting crushed at work. I need to relax. I just got out of a divorce and I just want to hike them out. I mean, it can really, it's a broad spectrum, but at the core of that is kind of, what do you want out of this? You know, what are you hoping to get? Because some people just want to hike and they're like, yeah, I just want to be outside. And that's great. Other people, it's much more of a uh, kind of like a metaphor for, or I don't know if metaphor is the right word, but it's, it's, it's bigger to them than that. And being able to kind of unlock that for them and kind of expose them and make that connection creates a positive experience with them in nature, which then leads to a lot of different other things. Um, of like them caring about the environment and not just seeing it as like a, I'm going through here, don't really care about the people, the environment, anything like that. Like building that connection creates, in my opinion, like um, environmental stewards, all kinds of stuff. So hopefully that was. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You talk a lot about customizing the experience. And I know when I go to the Cairn Guides website, right away, that's very evident just looking at the activities that are offered. I know you have so many different, I mean, there's the hiking piece, trail running, yoga, outdoor mm -hmm. photography, so many different pieces. I think that that is pretty unique to an outdoor company. I'm wondering what you consider the benefit of that to be, of all those offerings, because it's, it's different, it's unique. And I'm wondering if that is a certain mental health benefit, mm -hmm. basically why you decided to, to include so many options. Yeah. So, I mean, like in healthcare, you have what's called individualized treatment. And we're really just basically taking that and applying it to the outdoors because to, to keep it focused. So like when I talk about how, you know, everybody goes outside for a different reason, um, finding what that is, it makes it more meaningful to them for one. You know, if you were to come to me and say, hey, I'd like to hike the tallest peak in this area and me be like, okay, we're going to do this hike and it's not that. Like, you're probably going to leave kind of like confused, disappointed, kind of pissed off. Like, wait, why did I pay for this? Um, whereas when you come to someone and you say like, hey, like I, you know, I'm kind of in like my mid thirties, um, pretty good shape, really new to the area, but want to kind of get more of an introduction to kind of what it's like to hike mountains perfect. We've got the game plan for you. Here's a few different options. Which one do you like best? And really working with people to find what makes the most sense to them. Because ultimately they should, after one of these experiences, be able to do this for themselves so that they can do these kinds of experiences for years. Um, I always joke with people, I was like, as much as I love meeting people and as much as I would love for you to come back, like I hope after one experience with us, you just, I mean, springboard into this. I hope you become just infatuated with it um, because of the different benefits that they experience through that. But at the core of that is you're just creating a really positive experience for people in nature because everybody has that story of, I got lost, uh, there was a scary animal or some kind of negative experience that they had outdoors and people who still, you know, go outside have these stories as well. But trying to, you know, as best as possible, ensure that they have the most positive experience possible makes them more likely to continue doing this um, rather than kind of having that experience and really deter them from doing it. Can you take me to a story of a specific time when you saw the impact that outdoor sports could have on mental health through Karen Guides? 
this <laughs> this was really hard to um, dial down because I honestly have I mean, numerous stories, but one that just kind of like jumps out to me, like just right off the bat, um, is there was this guy that was traveling from India and he'd never been hiking, never been to America before, whole new experience, but just kind of took the leap to kind of, he wanted to get outside, didn't really know how, so he linked up with us. Um, and while doing this, he signed up for a sunrise hike, which is, in my opinion, mm-hmm. best way to start the day. Um, signs up for this, we're going along the hike, having a good time, getting to know each other and everything like that. And all of a sudden I realized that we're in what's called an inversion, which is basically when the clouds kind of, the the pressure pushes down in it, you're literally above the clouds without having to be at like, you know, some crazy altitude. Um, so this, this guy who was very clear that he was not a morning person, but he was going to try to make it work. All of a sudden, I mean, his eyes lit up it's like you just gave him a couple shots of espresso. Like he was ecstatic about this. But I mean, I loved it too, because I mean, it's beautiful. You have the sun rising, you're above the clouds. I mean, in the mountains, it's just hard to beat. But after that, he's like, man, like I'm going to have to start being a morning person because this was just like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And so that's like one area of where it just like really invigorated somebody's interest and just really had this significant impact. The other one that I think about is woman, she came from uh, Liberia and she was a trauma survivor. And we, similar thing, we did a sunrise hike and was clearly like really, like she had some weight on her shoulders that day and it wasn't really clear what it was. Um, Kind of the interesting part of like what my job is, is really trying to figure out kind of like, I guess get into people's head a little bit. Couldn't quite like peg it. But once the sun started coming up, um, maybe she started to wake up. <laughs> but we started talking like more and she started kind of un- unwinding about kind of like what's going on with her and her current situation with, I mean, domestic violence, abuse. Like, I mean, it, it was a really scary story. Um, but she really started to kind of disclose some of that to me. And like afterwards, you could just see like, it's like she lost a hundred pounds. I mean, she, she was just like so relieved to get some of that stuff off her chest and it wasn't like therapy or anything like that. She was just able to connect with another person that like could just maybe put the, try to put themselves in their shoe and be empathetic towards what she'd been through. Like that was it. It wasn't some complicated technique or CBT or anything like that. It's really just getting comfortable with another person and kind of just you know, discussing what's going on in your life, um, which I think, in my opinion, people have been doing that for thousands of years. I think of like my parents that are like, when they're really stressed out, they go for a walk. <laughs> you know? And it's kind of that similar, um, similar kind of system where it's like, if something's going on, just like being able to kind of vent to somebody or at least talk to somebody else about your situation. And it just, stuff like that, it, it happens more often than than I can say, um, where just once you kind of get comfortable with somebody and you spend time with them to kind of get to know them and, and like really get some of that stuff out. I mean, it's remarkable the amount of weight that people carry from day to day and just don't, don't have any, any avenue to like unload that or manage that is it's, it's dangerous. Hmm. There are so many things that you said that I have so many thoughts on um the first thing is you talked about that that man from india who went on this 
hike, this sunrise hike, and it was his first hike. And I'm just thinking about the way you described his reaction. Like he had just had this shot of his espresso. And mm-hmm. I think that that is so relatable. I think to anyone who hasn't experienced someone else seeing something natural for the first time, it is just an absolutely beautiful experience, not just for the person who is on this hike for the first time or having this first time experience, but to watch it. I know I've experience someone seeing snow for the first time yeah it's just extremely beautiful oh my god I I loved that I had had an Indian couple they had put off their honeymoon for 10 years to go to uh to both get their degrees to become doctors Mm -hmm. and put it off for 10 years sign up with me in the same day like they had never seen snow before um but they we, we got in a blizzard um that was just like I mean it was out of a movie no, I shouldn't say blizzard. It wasn't that crazy. But the <laughs> snow, I mean, it was that kind of like champagne snow that just like oh, glistens. Yeah. It's per I mean, and this is the first time they're seeing snow. It's stuff like that that it's like I I can't control the weather, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which some days is better than the other. But like when stuff like that comes together for people and they do, they see like the natural world or the natural beauty for like the first time, like in having that just huge impact is so cool. And that, that is hands down. My, the favorite part of my job is when you get to kind of like turn those gears a little bit or like unlock that potential in people because it is just incredible. That sounds absolutely amazing. And then you also talked about the woman that you hiked with who had experienced domestic violence and many different, very terrible experiences. And I'm curious because I know that you're not the only guide. You you founded and you you head Karen Guides, but how do you ensure that everyone else working for you carries on that piece of empathy that really allows your clients to open up during these experiences? Yeah. Um, so our screening process process isn't really all that different than some of the other guide companies out there and stuff. But essentially, you know, like we initially get a vibe for people, kind of talk to them on the phone, see what their experience is and everything like that. But then we actually go on like a hike with them or do yoga with them or like what have you to really gauge like one, do they know what they're doing? Do they know what they're talking about? But also like, what's their personality like? I mean, like, are they the kind of person that if all of a sudden somebody unloaded their their life on you, like, are they going to be able to like really handle that and actually being able to manage that. Like, obviously we don't want people to just come to us assuming that this is now a therapy session, but just having kind of that hands-on, I guess, like screening, if you will, Mm -hmm. is one way that we've really helped ensure that we have the right people out there. Um, We, you know, ideally would like to have guides all over the United States. Um, You know, we're very concentrated for the time being for a few different reasons, but you know, I, I want to make sure that the right people are out there. Because I mean, honestly, to get paid to play outside is a pretty amazing job. But in, in my opinion, we're, we're doing so much more than that. Um, so having the people with like the right personalities, skills, stuff like that. We have a physical therapist that um, works as one of our guides, um, who's incredible 
she actually, for her screening, she took a rowdy bunch of Canadians um, up to uh, Bear Peak out here. And it was, it was like the perfect test, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so thankfully the, the Canadian folks, they were um, comfortable. I was like, you know, this is her first time we're screening her, da da da. And I mean, like they, they did everything right. I, I didn't have to ask any questions because they were just super into the exercise. But I don't know, just, just getting some really unique people involved. Josh, our trail runner, has an incredible story um, when it comes to like addiction and how trail running helped him. But just kind of finding those unique people that can kind of really help piece this together is just extremely important to me. So it's not something that I, okay, if you have 30 years as like a ski instructor and stuff like that, that's one piece of the puzzle, but you also need to be able to work with people through, a, you know, various situations that aren't just like risk in the back country and stuff like that. And like you said, you are doing so much more than playing outside. And it's not just the mental health component. I know you also have a big environmental piece and I know you're really focused on fostering environmental knowledge. How do your guides do that as well? Yeah, that, you know, that varies from person to person. Um, that's kind of like the unique thing, I guess, about like our model. It's not like we have like a, a template per se. Um, you know, we, I have things that I can kind of um, really push, like these would be good things to do, but I can't sit here and say, you must go through this 10 point plan and educate people on this and that. But at the bare minimum, just talking about how to recreate responsibly. Because ultimately, what we're trying to do is create more environmental stewards, people that care about the environment. So teaching them how to recreate responsibly, um, how to take care of the areas that they visit, things like leave no trace, I guess, like, building that foundation for people because they can go once they have that foundation really seek out more information they can contact us like people have reached out to us numerous times like hey i remember you mentioned like this book or this concept or like whatever like what was that again and so helping bridge that gap um Mm -hmm. because we're not you know in an experience can all of a sudden have somebody who can tie all the knots, have all the bells and whistles and do all that kind of stuff. We're really trying to set up that foundation for people so that they aren't going and stamping or, you know, romping around uh, an area that's like protected. Um, I saw this really cool Instagram post that shows the impact of social trails the other day. And it's some of that basic stuff that people just don't know. It's, It's literally, it's not that they're trying to intentionally harm the environment or anything like that. It's just, they don't know. So, and I think one one obstacle that I've experienced personally from that is that I think there is some of this kind of uh, this persona in in the outdoor industry that these are like really knowledgeable people. They've been doing it for years. They have, and so it can be create kind of like an intim- intimidating environment, and mm-hmm. kind of removing that to like answer questions for people so that they can build that firm foundation and not feel like they're this like total rookie or they're like you know a fish out of water. Um, I always laugh when I think of the time that somebody asked me one time what poison ivy does. <laughs> it was really tempting to be like, well, when you touch it and rub it on your face, <laughs> but obviously, obviously didn't do that. But, but a lot of people, they just don't know uh, about this kind of stuff. So we really just try to build that firm foundation um, for people so that they can kind of take it as deep or as shallow as they want. I think it's so easy to forget that some people just don't have this basic level of environmental knowledge. It's really easy as someone who's grown up in the outdoors and as people who have such a deep experience with the outdoors, I think it can be 
easy to be almost like a little elitist about the outdoors without realizing it, without yeah, recognizing the privilege you have. It's it's kind of wild seeing some of the irresponsibility of these so-called experts during this like pandemic uh, when we're trying to social distance. I mean, obviously people should get outside to try to kind of like take care of their physical and mental health, but there's some real irresponsibility that is like taking place from people that should know about this stuff. Um, who, you know, it, it could be the case that they, you know, got so far along in their career or sport or what have you that they they kind of feel uncomfortable backtracking and kind of learning about some of these like really just, I mean, foundational um, principles. So we talked about both the mental health aspect and the environmental piece of care and guides, and it might seem on the surface, surface like care and guides is focused on two unrelated niches. There's the environmental piece and the mental health piece. Do you see a connection between mental health and environmental knowledge? What is that connection? Yeah, I mean, how, I think there's like a few different ways. Um, One of which is like I've kind of talked about already is like we're really trying to allow people to kind of see that like, you know, the outdoors really benefits you mentally as well as physically. Like it's not like separate. It's like, so allowing people to see that a certain uh, I guess environment really helps unlock that is one way that that connection works. Um, but also getting people to actually care about these areas. They're like, wow, that place made me feel really good. Or, I mean, that was one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Building that kind of connection for people makes them want to care about it you know like if a certain place like it's if all of a sudden you went to your favorite restaurant and you really liked their pizza or something like that you're more likely to support a business like that because you have that connection um so so that's one way of kind of like bridging that gap but also i would hope (laughs) people see how it impacts them you know everybody goes outdoors for their own reasons but how they see it impacts them i think they also want to share that with other people because they know it's good for other people. Um, so, so, I mean, kind of at the core of it is like having that connection with nature is just one way that our our mental health and environmentalism essentially really cross. Yeah, I love that. And talking about creating connections, I know we heard from your dog, Mac, really briefly before. <laughs> and I know that Mac also has quite the Instagram presence and on... <laughs> On Mac's Instagram bio, is Mac a he? I think I'm assuming I was about to say he. he. It says founder slash hiking guide of Karen Guides. So I'm confused. Are you the founder or is your dog the founder? (laughs) Um, That's that's a really complicated uh, question to answer. Mac is a hiking guide. Um, I am technically the founder. I guess we theoretically founded it together, um, but I'm like in all the legal print and stuff. So. <laughs> um, but Mac is a hiking guide because he he does go out with us whenever possible. Um, there's only a few situations where I don't bring him, like if we don't have enough room in the car or, or if it's one of those days that if it's in single digits, um, then I won't bring him along. Um, but more often than not, Mac is hiking with us. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of his job. So he's he's technically a hiking guide. He, he definitely, people have uh, s- signed up just to hike with Mac. 
um, which is really, really fun because I've had people before, like if I show up without them, they'd be like, wait, where's the dog? And it's like, oh, I can bring him for this reason or that. And they're like, oh, like we'll drive separate or we'll, we'll make adjustments. We just want to meet Mac, uh, which I think is cool. Cause he, he kind of, you know, not everybody is great at just right off the bat getting to know other people or they're not like real extroverts or whatever. So having a dog with you during that is like a way for a lot of people to easily kind of like engage without having to get too much outside of their comfort zone. Oh, for sure. And talk about mental health. I mean, there's nothing better than having a dog <laughs> and exploring right. a dog in my right. opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I have a few rapid fire questions for you. The first one is hiking or trail running? Hiking. Awesome. Adventuring with dogs or adventuring with humans? Dogs. All day. Yeah. Easy question. You can (laughs) only drink one for the rest of your life. Would it be coffee or beer? Oh, geez. I'm going to go with coffee. Okay, good. Yeah, that's, that would be my answer too. Yeah. And then also I saw on Mac's Instagram page that he or you, one of the two, make some really awesome meals. So what <laughs> is, if you could only have one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh God, that's rough. I think it would be like some form of like nachos or chips and salsa. Oh man, this is so hard. Chicken wings I also love. I think I would go with nachos um, Nachos. because we go through tortilla chips here like way too fast. Yeah. Super uh, easy. Yeah. Awesome. What are your future goals for Karen guides? Do you have anything that you're excited about? Oh yeah. Um, We, we are really trying to get a really firm, I guess just establish what I call a nature prescription program. Basically, I mean, like there are all kinds of different benefits that people reap, not only from exercise, but from being outdoors. And we really want to be the company that when you go to your doctor's office, people notice, you know, you're exhibiting signs of depression or you started a new medication or you're at risk of like diabetes or heart disease, kind of working in um, marriage with those providers to kind of like be like, this is going to help either like, you know, support you on this new treatment or help prevent you from, you know, um, developing some kind of like cardiovascular disease. Like that is my, like, I guess like swing for the fence kind of home run kind of thing. Um, is that if we could be like a company where we have guides all over the United States or even Colorado, where we are just like the company that people refer patients to when they, you know, to kind of get a nature, a really established nature prescription program. That is my number one goal has been from the start. And we're, I mean, we're taking steps closer and closer each day with the pandemic and everything like that. It's kind of created a unique opportunity to connect with a lot of different public health departments and doctors and different people in the, the industry and stuff like that. But that is like the dream that that is what I want to accomplish. That sounds like a dream. I mean, I love that. I can't imagine going to the doctor and being prescribed a guided hike. That's, I mean, that's genius. It it sounds almost like a no brainer, but also so genius. It's yeah. It's, it's something that a lot of people we talk to, it's almost like a no brainer, but it, it is a, 
kind of dynamic situation because I talked about earlier with the kinds of populations of people that would benefit most from this, accessing them, getting um, insurance to cover for it, like stuff like that. It's, we've got a pretty significant uphill battle ahead of us, (laughs) Mm. but um, it's, it's something that I, I've been passionate about for a while and I'm I'm optimistic we can come out of this hopefully, um, like I said, basically accomplishing my dream. Mm. Very optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about that connection of healthcare providers, I actually just saw, you know, right before this this conversation, that you're providing a huge discount for healthcare providers through the summer yeah. because of COVID. Yep. So yeah. thank you for that. That's that's really <laughs> great, and I'm sure a lot of people can really benefit from that. Oh yeah, we're trying to get the word out there. So any healthcare provider, I guess, yeah, like I said, any healthcare providers, you know, therapists. I mean, like anybody. I mean, like this is taking a huge impact um, has been detrimental to all kinds of different people. I mean, specifically those on like the front lines battling this, this uh, virus. And so we've already seen in the news, some people that have unfortunately not, you know, received the support or the care or what have you that maybe they needed. And so, I mean, we figure give this huge discount and hopefully we can help connect people with that and kind of make sure that they don't experience anything like compassion fatigue or mental exhaustion or just, I mean, you know, worse. Yeah, and that, that discounts 80%, right? Yeah, yeah, 80%. 80%. So, yeah. Um, so, any healthcare providers listening, and I'll definitely share with the healthcare professionals yeah. in my life. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, the question I always like to end on is why is sport such a powerful platform for social change? I think, you know, for a few different reasons. Um, the one that jumps out to me is that I think it can kind of create a common ground for people. I think of how like men, um, there's a big stigma specifically in mental health with men. Um, but sports are something that, I mean, all genders, um, go to for, you know, whether it be like exercise, socialization, like what have you, but I kind of think it creates a common ground where people can gather for one. Um, but also eventually kind of develop like friendships, connections, or kind of like, you know, talk to people about what they're really about. It's not just, oh, like I, you know, play soccer just because it keeps me in shape. Like, you know, you, you get to know somebody like people aren't like these like black and white creatures where it's like if you play soccer, that means you like soccer and that's it. You know, and it's like they're much more dynamic than that. Um, so I think it really just creates a common ground for people to connect. And when you utilize sports that also incorporate things like the environment and the outdoors, it just kind of has this organic process of just kind of uh, creating some incredible stuff. For sure. And I think that common ground that the outdoors creates is so applicable right now where when we're so isolated and having just being able to look outside if you if you can't get out there or go on a walk, I think for sure that's really applicable right now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jordan. And where is the best place for folks to go to find you and Karen Guides, either online or on social media? Yeah, um, I mean, the best two resources, we have our website. So it's just, you know, karenguides.com, C-A-I-R-N, and then guides.com is the best way to reach out to us, whether you want to become a guide, you want to um, connect with us and get some time outside if you do the area, like what have you. Um, that's probably one of the best ways to get a hold of us. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram and it's the same thing, just at Karen Guides. Try to keep it simple. <laughs> and uh, those are probably the best two platforms to reach out to us. And uh, like I said, we're, we're always looking to at least 
interact with people. Um, if you're new to the area, have questions, like we're really just trying to get more people outside. So if you don't want to spend time with us and uh, go on a guided experience with us, but you have questions about like an area, like by all means, reach out. We're really just trying to kind of connect with people and ensure that they have the best experience possible outside. Awesome. What a great resource for people. And I'm really excited to see how Care and Guides grows to see if you can spread it around the country. And I, re- I really hope you do it. Sounds like a great resource. So thank, thank you, you for the work that you're doing. And thanks for talking with me today. Absolutely. Thank you, Emma. This week marks the end of Mental Health Awareness Month. So this conversation with Jordan was a really perfect one to end the month on. If you're traveling to the Boulder area, make sure to check them out and visit karenguides.com. It's a hard time in the world right now, so I think we need to all make sure we're taking care of ourselves and the people around us. I'll make sure to drop the link for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, in the show notes. On the NAMI website, there's a helpline and a large number of resources for anyone who might be struggling. You can find all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes at anchor.fm slash social sport. Please leave social sport a rating and a review on iTunes if you've enjoyed the show. Also, please give it a follow on Facebook and Instagram at social sport pod. And don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks, everyone. Stay well, keep sporting, and keep resisting.